I'm going to talk about enduring hardness. Sometimes we have to endure technology, but enduring hardness. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'd like you to stand with me. We're just going to read these first four verses here in the chapter, and then I'm going to get right into the message. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Stand, and we'll read aloud verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Let's begin. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Let's pray one more time. Father, bless the hearing of your word, the preaching of your word, and the doing of it, Lord, this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. All right. The Apostle Paul, is, as I've said each time, is writing to a, a, uh, a brother in Christ, somebody in the family of God named Timothy. Timothy has up until this point been able to be alongside Paul, learned from Paul, been encouraged by Paul, been carried by Paul through the valleys. Paul is leaving. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. He's in prison. He's about to be executed for being a faithful Christian. He hasn't been a rapist, hasn't been a murderer, but he's about to die. And he says to Timothy, be strong. Be a good soldier. Finish the fight. Uh, all Christians are soldiers in God's army. As a matter of fact, Paul refers to several other uh, men in the ministry. He talks about a guy who was the pastor of the church at Colossae. And he says, my fellow soldier. So we are in a, a, an army, God's army. We are not spectators. We are not supervisors. We are soldiers in that army, and we are in a war. It is a spiritual war that we call spiritual warfare. It is not physical. We don't use uh, uh, weapons of this world. We use different kind of weapons. Yet most Christians are very unaware of the spiritual war going on, and they're just as aloof as somebody walking on their, on their cell phone or texting while they're walking or driving or riding their bike. I have only seen once somebody texting while they were riding their bike. And you think, what an idiot, man. But they're unaware of what they're getting into. And I'm talking about Christians here. So our challenge is to prepare for this war, to be trained for it, to be ready for what happens on Monday morning, what happens on Thursday night, what happens out of the blue. Now, these are not things that we want to hear. We... Uh, uh, we, we, we like things that encourage us only and that tell us it's going to be a better day and everything's going to be fine and, and it's only going to get better and better. I mean, I wish I could tell you that this, this virus problem is going away. I wish I could tell you that we're all going to be back to normal. I have no idea what's going to happen. So I need to have something that's going to tell me what really should be understood and thought about. So these are the instructions from God on how to live the Christian life. You see, most Christians... Don't mind being frauds. Don't mind being hypocrites. Don't mind just sort of just looking like a Christian but never being real. Because in the end, in the truth is more and more Christians are falling away. I watch more and more Christians wear out, give up, get upset, and quit. So what God did was he gave us a manual on how to press on, how to do the words of that song. Uh, the, uh, the manual 
is not easy to follow, but it's perfect. It's exactly what we need to do to get us through every valley and to pass every test that the world, the flesh, and the devil throws at us. So, there are three final thoughts I want to talk about uh, to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about one of them, uh, uh, endurance, entanglements, and enjoyment. And we're only going to talk about endurance this morning because it is such an important subject. Now, when we talk about enduring hardness, we're talking to Christians. Life already is hard enough without God. Do you remember before you got saved, how much fear you lived in? How much you had to numb the guilt and the shame and embarrassment of your sin and how you just, life uh, had times of greatness and times you just want to commit suicide. The, 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 it already is hard enough. But when you're a Christian, being a Christian is also hard, but in a different way. Because being a Christian doesn't mean now that you have no problems. We just have the answers to get us through the problems. We actually have a way to look at life so the problems aren't so big. So I want to talk to you about enduring hardness, Christian. This, this command, look there in verse 3, Thou therefore, he speaks specifically to Timothy. He says, I want you to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's not a cruel command. Now, when my dad told me, you know, um, eat your Brussels sprouts, that was a cruel command. Okay? When my mom told me to go clean up my room, oh, that was a cruel command. But to endure hardness is not a cruel command. It is the answer to a common problem among Christians. You know what the common problem is? Quitting. It is quitting. Paul, Timothy, Paul tells Timothy to stay in the race. Um, there is, um, let me find my point here. A Christian, the truth is, a Christian wants to finish life well. We, we care about how we live and how we finish if you're saved. Now, when, um, uh, go, before I make this point, go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Listen to, the, to a Christian in the first century. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Acts 20 and verse 22. Now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things which shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. What are bonds and afflictions? Those aren't stocks and bonds. Those aren't banknotes. Those aren't blessings. Those are problems, afflictions, troubles. Bonds and afflictions will stick to me, verse 24. But none of these things move me. They don't discourage me, they don't stop me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might, circle that word, finish my course with joy. And the ministry, I want to finish my ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul says, I want to finish my course. Well, let's see if he did. Let's go to 2 Timothy, the last book he ever wrote, <clears throat> writing to Timothy. Let's find out how he did. 2 Timothy. Chapter 2, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 4 and verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. Hey, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. 
Now, in my 40 years of being a Christian, I know Christians who fall away and then they come back. I've watched Christians sort of get discouraged and quit and then get, get revived and get, um, uh, get, in, get uh, uh, encouraged and they get back going again. But you know, there's just something about a Christian who says, I'm just going to finish my course. I'm going to stay at it. Both are accepted in the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, if you fall away or if you have fallen away, God's door is still open. As long as you're breathing, you can get right with God. But wouldn't it be better just to stay faithful? Would it be better just to finish the course and be able to say, I finished with joy, not with bitterness? So a common problem among Christians is they just feel comfortable with quitting. And not everybody that quits gets back right. Not everybody that quits finds the strength to ever do right again. So I want to talk to you about the meaning of enduring hardness. It does not mean having a bad hair day. It does not mean having some hard times or even going through some hard tasks. Maybe you put up with problems or troubles for a little while. That is not the words endure hardness. It actually means to persevere. It means to be persistent, to do the hard thing and keep doing the hard thing. To persevere even though you're stuck in a bad situation. That's what it means to endure hardness. There are children who are born with a birth defect. Maybe they can't walk. Maybe they can't speak. Maybe they're born blind. It's hard on them. It is not as easy as the rest of us. You think of people, we have, we're making a uh, handicapped toilet. Can you imagine if you were confined to a wheelchair, what would life be like trying to get onto a bus? What would life be like trying to get into a lot of buildings? It would be hard. You know what Paul says to Timothy? Endure hardness. You can't just magically change the world. You can't just magically change your situations. You just have to learn to persevere. You've got a lot of pressure at work. You've got a lot of pressure at school. Persevere. Stay on course in spite, of, in spite of the pain, in spite of the fact that you seem to be losing at times in life. Hardness describes a hard and severe labor for an extended period of time. Endure hardness day in and day out a time when things are hard and they're just not changing for the better in other words even though you're stuck in a bad situation stay the course never quitting endure hardness now hardness in in the christian life is it, it includes persecution Yea, and all they that will live godly, you try to live right, shall what? Suffer persecution. So it goes with the Christian life that you're going to get the flame from, from others. You're going to get the heat. You're going to be overlooked. You're going to be looked down upon. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians. You're in Timothy. Go back to the left. Find 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 4. Second Thessalonians, Paul says in verse 3, we are bound to thank God always for you. Speaking to that church, verse 4, so that we ourselves glory in you. We'd say rejoice in you in the churches of God for because of your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye, there's our word, endure. Go to 2 Timothy, go to the, fine, uh, go to the right, 2 Timothy 3, 11.
Paul says in verse 10, but thou hast fully known my doctrine. You've, you, you know what I teach, what manner of life. You know how I live. You know my purposes, my faith, my long-suffering, charity, patience. And he goes on, verse 11, you know my persecutions, afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. I didn't quit at, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. So here's the truth. Paul, Timothy, Peter, James, John experienced troubles like we forget about, like we can't even imagine, yet they put up with it. It includes also afflictions and weaknesses. Go back, uh, you're in 2 Timothy chapter 4, look just down the next chapter, verse 5. Paul tells Timothy, watch thou, be aware in all things, everything you go through, every person you meet, watch out, endure what? Afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Paul basically says, afflictions are coming at you, endure them. Normally, afflictions stop somebody. I was watching several uh, historical YouTubes on runners and Olympics, and I won't show it here for time, but several runners in the Olympics, right in the middle of the race, even while they were winning, were just crippled. One guy, I can't even pronounce his name, his hamstring broke on the back of his thigh, and he collapsed. All the other runners just passed him by. He was doing so great. He was on the ground crying and wailing in pain. And he looked, he probably had half the race still to go. And he got up and he, then he fell again. And his coach came over and he pushed him away. And the, uh, the, uh, the guys with the stretcher and everything came across and he pushed them away. And he began to hobble and he was crying. I mean, the tears are just coming out of, his, out of his eyes. And his coach came alongside and he pushed him away. And his coach got up under his arm and carried him across the finish line. That man wasn't going to quit. That man, in his affliction, he said, I've come for years. I have trained. I have prepared for this race. I am not going to quit. I stood and I said, that's the man I want to be. I want to be like that. There were, there were at least three or four runners who in the process of running, they weren't even in the lead. They were tripped. Sometimes those, those runners get so close that one shoe hits against another. And boom, you go down. Well, this one guy falls and he's rolling and then he jumps right up and he says, I'm going to finish. And he starts running and he wins the race, even though he got knocked down. Um, aloneness. For a lot of people, that is hard. It would be for me. You know why I invite people to come work with me in the ministry? You know why, uh, whether it's Dan and Kathy or Andrew and Jennifer, Keith and Kelly, why am I doing that? Why do I? Because being alone in the ministry is not easy. I love having help. I love everyone who helps. I want everybody in our church to have something to do so it's not all on me. But you know what? When I'm alone, I still do what I'm supposed to do. When there's a job to do, I've got to do it, whether anybody else is there. You endure aloneness. Doesn't the Bible say two are better than one? It's true. God sent out his servants. Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. Yet when no one is there working alongside you, when your husband is ignoring you and you're doing the, wish, the dishes for the 876th time in a row, endure hardness. Now go beat him over the head, but endure hardness. How about delays, defeats, and discouragements? Those are things that you have to deal with because 
as a Christian, how many of you have prayed and nothing happened? And you pray again and nothing happens. And you get discouraged. Jesus says, keep praying. My time is not your time. Stay at it. When you quit praying, you're saying to God, I quit on you. God doesn't quit on us. But stay faithful. All through it all, through it all, we are called to keep going. Hardness in the Christian life. Most of the Christian life is hard. Now, I love the Christian life. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't want to go back to what I was like before I was saved. I wouldn't want to be going to hell for anybody. I know a lot of the musicians that I listened to in the 1970s, a lot of them stood up there and said, um, you know, uh, hell is a great big party. Can't wait to go to hell and all this stuff. What a, what a stupid blindness they've got. Listen, um, however uh, hard the Christian life may be, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It is, it is obvious that when you're a Christian, your life is going to be hard. When you Listen, we're supposed to work. Even if your job is hard and you don't enjoy it, work hard anyway. Most guys are looking for easy work, fun jobs. Let me tell you, no matter what you end up doing, you will find it to be hard. I find out whenever you write, uh, these guys who write and these ladies who write books, the first page is, is, is hard. And then they get started and then they write their outline and they get one and then it becomes hard again. And you just think, you think some of these authors and people who write books that it just comes easy. They work at it for months and sometimes years. No matter what you do, it is going to be hard. John F. Kennedy, 51 years ago, sorry, 61 years ago, said, we don't choose to do the things that are easy. We choose to do the things that are hard. We're going to the moon. And nine years later, they landed on the moon 51 years ago tomorrow. Is tomorrow the 20th? Yeah. Uh, and it is, it, is, it is something to watch when the world does the hard things and endures. 400,000 people gave their lives, their life work for a decade to put not just, not just two men on the moon in Apollo 11, they did it again in Apollo 12, and then did it again in Apollo 14, and then Apollo 15, and Apollo 16, and Apollo 17. It is, it is no conspiracy, folks. NASA landed on the moon, and it was an incredible amount of effort. They endured hardness to get there, and I salute that, and I'm telling you, we need to appreciate that the Christian life is hard. Serving God is hard. You know, when you do what God wants you to do, it's usually going to be hard. You're going against the world. You're going against the world, the flesh, and you're going against the devil. Soul winning is hard. After we finish going soul winning on Fridays, you just feel like you've just ran 10 miles sometimes. Serving people, especially when they don't appreciate it, is hard. Teaching in children's church is hard. Preaching is hard. Listen to a page in John Wesley's diary in the 1760s. John Wesley uh, basically started uh, the Wesleyans. They became the Methodists. He said this, Sunday morning, May 5th, I preached in St. Anne's church, was asked not to come back anymore. That evening, I preached in St. John's church. The deacon said, go out and stay out. Sun, the next Sunday, May 12th, I, this is in his diary, I preached at St. Jude's Church. Can't go back there either. <laughs> Sunday in the evening, May 12th, preached at St. George's Church. Kicked out again. Sunday a.m., May 19th, preached on the street of the town and was driven off the street. Sunday, May 26th, 
in the morning, preached in a meadow, chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose on me during the service. Sunday a.m., June 2nd, preached out on the edge of town and kicked off the highway. <laughs> Serving God is hard. Sound doctrine is hard. Oh, um, I'll come up with some of these things. Ah, uh, sound, well, I'll say this. You know, if you're, gonna, if you're ever going to get married, gentlemen, waiting for the right woman and waiting for marriage. We were talking to these kids saying, is sex before marriage wrong? Yeah, just like me going into a shop and taking what is not mine and walking out without paying for it. Marriage is when that person becomes yours. If you take what's not yours beforehand, you're a thief. So waiting for marriage is hard. And guess what? Stay in marriage. Being married is hard. Sound doctrine is hard. 2 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. So I'm supposed to preach. I'm supposed to be ready when it's popular, when it's not popular. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Teach. Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not, talking about the audience, will not, circle the word, endure sound doctrine. But instead, after their own lust, what they want, they shall heap to themselves YouTube teachers. That's what they had. Having itching ears, they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, YouTube preachers aren't the problem, folks. It's the fact there's so many of them that are so well prepared that our technical problems, you know, we worry some of the things people watch on video, if it's, you know, splotchy, if the audio's bad, people give up on us. We're trying to compete with, with organizations and with groups that have tremendous amount of money and performance. I just want to preach the word. You're my audience. We do this on the internet for people who can't be here. But if the lights go out, if the technology dies, I'm going to preach the word. Amen. And if people get upset at me, I'm going to try to understand, am I the problem or is the book the problem? Because I'm not changing what I preach. Amen. Serving God is hard. Uh, people want things that are easy to do. They want things that are easy to teach and to preach. They don't care about sound doctrine or truth. They want entertainments. That's why churches are dying. The big churches that are growing are the ones that are just nothing but entertainments. And I don't want that. I want to do the hard things. Uh, sound doctrine is hard. Temptations are hard, aren't they? Look at James. You're in 2 Timothy. Go to, find, go to the right. Go to Hebrews chapter, uh, uh, sorry, go to James chapter 1, right after Hebrews. James chapter 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. You say, well, I, Pastor, I, I don't experience temptation. Well, good for you, okay? Either you're numb or dead, or you're not honest. But when you, when, you are, when you are tempted, what does the Bible say? Endure the temptation. For when he is tried, when that test comes at him, he shall receive the crown of life from the Lord, which the Lord shall, hath promised to them that love him. Temptations are hard to endure. When you're tempted to do what you've always done and instead try and resist, God says he will bless you if you put up with that temptation, even if the temptation doesn't go away. 
You say, well, I'm still tempted to drink. Well, I'm still tempted to go down this uh, uh, avenue and do this sin. Yes, of course you're going to, you're human. You're going to be tempted. But by the grace of God, you can endure temptation. That's what grace is for. That's what the Spirit of God is for. That's what church is for. That's what Christ is for. In you, he's the hope of endurance. Temptations are hard to endure. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Listen to these words. Starting in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Charity is the best kind of love. It's not just love. Charity is a, a selfless love, the best kind, where you just give without anything in, wanting anything in return. Charity suffereth long. That's, the, that's a characteristic of charity, and yet is kind in return. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth, puffs, you know, makes itself up high. Vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Always acts appropriately. Seeketh not her own is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, here's our words, endureth all things. Charity, last part, verse 8, never faileth. Now that's, this is the price of following Jesus. I don't know if you realize it, but Jesus said in Matthew 24, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all na nations for my name's sake. Jesus warned, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be an easy life sometimes. Now, it's not always that way. Sometimes you, get, you, you have good long stretches. But as I said, yea, all they that live godly shall suffer persecution. Um, let me ask you this. If you knew just how hard it was going to be being married, would you get married? Probably not. But then again, being alone is a lot harder, I think. If you knew just how hard it was being a pastor, a preacher, a missionary, would you volunteer? Probably not. But then again, missing out on the will of God is much harder. Ask Jonah. It's the price of being a Christian. It goes with the life of the Christian. Most of the Christian life is hard. And when I say most, I don't mean 99% of it. But there's a good chunk where you just have to get up and still keep going. When the world quits, when other Christians are quitting, and you say, I'm going to press on. It is worth it. First Corinthians, go, you're in First Corinthians, go two more pages to the right, find verse 58. First Corinthians 15, 58, enduring hardness is worth it. First Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye, what's that word? What's that word mean? Now, usually we mean holding our ground. Good. But steadfast doesn't only mean staying in one place. That's kind of stupid, okay? I got to go home in the afternoon, have some lunch. But it means I'm not going backward. And with the pressure, I am always facing forward. Philippians chapter 3, our men verse for the, uh, for the whole year, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before me, I press I keep going. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I steadfastly keep going. He says this, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Do you know what the last line on that page of John Wesley's diary was? You ready? 
me find it here. Sunday, p.m., June 2nd, the very next Sunday, afternoon service, walked out into a field, and as many as 10,000 came out to hear the gospel. What if he had quit the week before and walked away? His faithfulness paid off. Rejection, mockery, kicking out of town. He went out to a field and people heard about it. Sometimes bad press is still good press. And as he got out there and he mounted that fence and he began to preach, people began to come out. And believe me, these guys didn't preach 20-minute messages. As he preached for the next two hours, the estimates were 10,000 people filled that meadow to hear him preach the gospel because he pressed on. John Wesley teaches us to press on, that it's worth it. You know, for the Christian, every problem is worth solving. Every soul is worth saving. We're proof of that. Every limitation is worth overcoming. Every part of the will of God is worth doing. Why? Because souls are worth it. Because Jesus is worth it. He thinks I'm worth it to die for. How could I think any less to think that he's not worth it to live for? Look there in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'll show you a, 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 an attitude that Paul had about enduring. 2 Timothy, in the same chapter that we're in, 2 Timothy chapter 2, we read 1, 2, 3, 4, but look down in verse 10. We'll look at verse 9. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 9. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. I'm in trouble like I've done evil. Even under bonds I've been put in prison, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore... I endure all things for thee, what? Now the elects there are the Jews, the hard-headed, ungodly Jews. He says, I endure things for the elect's sakes that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So he already was going through a hard time in his life, but you know the hard, he much preferred to preach to the Gentiles because at least the, priest, the Gentiles didn't stone him normally. But he goes and he preached to the Jews, even though they stoned him regularly, even though they wanted him dead, and they put him in court for the rest of his life. It was the Jews that ruined his life. He says, I endure it for their soul's sake. Every part of the will of God is worth it. There are too many examples to go through. The Bible describes a whole lot of people who had to endure. God's people don't have the luxury of getting what they want. But rather, but rather usually suffering and, and they stay sweet while suffering. How many remember Jesus as being our greatest example? Go to the right, find Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 2. Hebrews 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame. He didn't let the shame affect him and is set on the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, For consider him that endured such great contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary in your minds. Jesus is a great example of somebody who endured hardness and stayed the course even when his own disciples abandoned him. How about Paul himself? Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, I was uh, uh, I was afflicted by a thorn in the flesh. It was like the messenger of Satan buffeting me, beating me, 
hurting me, defeating me, and I begged God to take it away. And Jesus said, no, my grace is sufficient for thee. And Paul then learned, I will take it, I will endure it, that the grace of God, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Your Bible is filled. Moses, look in Hebrews chapter 11, go down to verse 24. Hebrews eleven twenty four. look at this. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming, valuing the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Why? For he endured as if he could see him who is invisible. Paul, uh, Moses endured. How about Joseph? He endured from the moment that his brother sold him into slavery. Then for years of slavery, he endured it. And then the, the, the false accusation thrown into prison for two years, he endured that. Joseph had a life of enduring hardness. David, seven years, fleeing from the anger and the wrath of King David, who didn't want David to be king. King Solomon, King Saul ruined David's life and David endured it. Never, never kept bitterness, never wanted to kill, never wanted to judge. He left the judgment of, of Saul to God. Jacob, Jacob fell in love at first sight with Rachel. Remember the story? He sees Rachel, falls in love with her, goes and kisses her. I want to marry you. Well, Uncle Laban says uh, seven years. So he works for seven years. And on the wedding day, Uncle Laban swaps sisters. And he wakes up and he finds out he's been given Leah. And he gets really angry. Laban, Laban says, well, you know, the older's got to go first. So if you want Rachel, you've got to work another seven years. You know what it says? Those seven years seem like a week. He worked 14 years. He endured 14 years for the love of his life. He endured hardness. God put that in there for us to learn from. Abraham and Sarah endured 25 years waiting for the promise of a son. How about Job? The whole book, Enduring Hardness. I got a question for you, if this will work. Name me someone in the Bible who did not have to endure hardness. Name me somebody who just seemed to go through life and they were just joyful and no problems at all. That book doesn't, doesn't talk like the modern preachers do. If you're a runner and you ever try to get into a, a race, it's going to be hard. Now, you're not just running and jogging. I mean, you see joggers all the time, but getting into a race and competition and, and, and trying to win that race, it will wear you out. And the same is true with marriage. When you set out, when you got married, you thought everything was going to be paradise and it became work. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Murphy was a corkman. Do you know one of the requirements is to stay at marriage until death and you're supposed to grow it and bless it and make it awesome? Everyone wants a wedding and a honeymoon, but when the disagreements come, when the bills pile up, the weight gain starts, the health problems come, everyone would rather quit and find someone else. Endure hardness. You know, there are some secrets to enduring, and I'm finished with this. These are the secrets to enduring. God, Jesus, here, Paul doesn't, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, doesn't just say endure. There are some wonderful secrets to the world, and even to the Christian, when I say secrets, don't, don't take the mystical thing. There's some things you've got to understand. There's some keys to being able to endure, all right? He actually told us six things already without you even knowing it. Back there in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and just 
he, tells, he says to us in verse 1 to rely on God's grace. He says to walk with Jesus. It's all of, the, all of the strength I need is found in Jesus Christ. And if in the morning you don't get that time where you're spending with him and getting recharged by him, you're going to run out of, it, of the ability to endure hardness. Walk with Jesus. Learn everything you can about being a strong Christian from the Bible and from other Christians. Don't I Listen, a lot of people are learning weird doctrines and looking, learning conspiracy theories, and they're wasting their time. If you read your Bible, if you come to church, have one goal, to become a strong Christian. Don't, so that you can win an argument, so that you can go on YouTube. Would you please have one desire? To be a strong, good soldier of Jesus Christ. This is the things you've heard of me, you've learned from me. Learn everything you can about how to be a strong Christian. And then share the load. Why in the world pass it on to the next generation and to others so they can help, with, help you, so they can work with you, so that we can win the world together? And stay clear of traps. I'm going to talk about that next week. He says, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this, this life and then do everything. These are the six things that we've already looked at and started on. Do everything just for him, whether it's for nobody else. If nobody else appreciates what you go through, you know Jesus does because you're doing it for him. But there's five other thoughts I want to give you that maybe help you endure hardness. First of all, remember this world is not your home. I remember my mom telling me years ago, even before I was a Christian, she'd say, well, the Bible says this too shall pass. It's a common statement in the South, in, in the United States. This too shall pass. But it's true. Everything you're going through is not forever. Amen? This world is not our home. Secondly, know if you're in the will of God. It's a whole lot easier to endure the hardness when you know you're in the right place doing the right thing. And you just stay at it. You stay the course. You've got a job to do. You've got a goal to win. No matter how hard it is, no matter how many enemies you face, no matter what the opposing team throws at you, you know where you've got to go and what you've got to do. Know this, that hardnesses are often the will of God. 1 Peter, go to the right, find 1 Peter chapter 3. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter chapter 3. And verse 17. And Peter just, he's got a lot of, there's a lot of background in this verse, but this is a great truth. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer. It is the will of God that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. So, wow, Lord, I didn't know it's your will that I suffer. Yeah, sometimes it is. We usually assume that God would never want us to have to endure hardness. But sometimes the will of God is that you do. The good soldier does not usually seek the easiest path. We seek the right one. And we stay on it till we get to the end. Uh, one other good thing to think about is you need to rest and slow down at times. Go to Mark. Go to Mark chapter 6. Gospel of Mark chapter 6. If you're going to endure, you don't stay at it full throttle constantly. you got to take a break sometimes, which is fine. Mark chapter 6. Mark 6, 31. He, Jesus, said to his disciples, he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place. And three words, what are they? Rest a while. For there were many other, many people coming and going. They had no leisure so much 
as to eat. They couldn't even eat. And Jesus says, let's, let's, let's get out of here for a little while. Somebody once said, you need to come apart before you come apart. That's an English idiom that's hard to translate, I would imagine. Rest. I'll show you another one. Uh, go to Isaiah 40. By the way, Jesus did not tell his disciples to quit or to retire. He just said, take some time out. Have. That's why out of seven days, six days work, and what are you supposed to do on the seventh day? Rest. God designed us to rest, and we need to. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. He did not design us to quit. Isaiah 40, verse 30. <clears throat> Even the youths shall faint and be weary. Huh. We were talking, who was I talking to? Uh, uh, David Murphy back there. David said, wouldn't it be wonderful to be young again? We dream that often, don't we? <laughs> but even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord, they that serve the Lord, that wait for His instructions, the next instructions, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How, what word is missing in there? Quit. So sometimes you got to, listen, those that fly sometimes need to take to running. And those that run sometimes need to just take a step back and take to walking. But you never find any of them quitting. So when it's time to take a break, take the break. And then get refreshed and then go forward again. That's why we need everyone in church helping. That's why we need everyone doing something so that those that have been running can slow down for a little while. And when those who are, are walking and carrying heavy loads can share that load and they can just rest for a little while, they'll get back up again. But if you're going to, if you're going to have a church, if we're going to be Christians who press on, we have to know when to slow down and when to press ahead. And we need a whole team so it just keeps moving. Last thought. Out of those six things that he showed us there in 2 Timothy chapter 4, these four, but this fifth one, it's probably the most important. You're going to have to determine. You've got to decide, I'm going to finish. I really, of all my Christian life, I've seen these sweatshirts and these jumpers that say, starter. I don't know who came up with it. I think it's a crazy label on a, on a jersey or on a, a jumper or whatever. I have never seen anyone that says finisher. Because it's always easy to start something. It's always easy to be at the beginning of something. But Ecclesiastes says the end of something is much better. Fewer get there. When I started Bible college, when I started there, there were 103, 104 students in my, in my freshman class. There were 35 in my graduating class. I don't fault any of them. I don't know what they went through. I don't know what it was. But during my four years there, my third year, guess what I wanted to do? Quit. After my third year, I said, I'm done. I've got my first degree. I don't want to get, it was just a, it was a degree in theology. And I did not want to finish my fourth year. You know, my dad, unsaved, always mocked and says, you still going to that college, if it can be called that? When I told dad I was finished, I was finished with my third year. I'm now going to go up to the northeast of America and I'll go get in a church. He said, you are not quitting. You will finish what you started. I said, Dad, you don't understand. You're not even spiritual. <laughs> Let me tell you, 
my dad told me there's one thing you better never do, and that is quit. And I went back my fourth year, met Nita, we got married, been happily ever after. Let me tell you this, you're not going to, no one finishes unless they determine to finish. Does that make sense? Nobody finishes unless they determine to. If you don't set out to finish well, you won't. Oh, you say, I constantly have to struggle with this. You may have to struggle with it the rest of your life. But the secret of enduring hardness is your determination, I will not quit. Here's the conclusion. How close are you to giving up? How close are you to giving up on just praying? Well, you know, I've prayed and nothing happens. Hmm. How close are you in giving up on your marriage? How close are you on trying, on, on even trying to just do right and stay close to God and stay right with God? You just, you know what happens? Somewhere around 14, 15 years old, kids who grew up in church and they learned what was right and they tried doing it. And then when they fall, some other friend gets them to start smoking or drinking or even worse and start and gets them defiled from that moment they go why try and they quit how close are you to giving up on saving your kids and your teenagers we have a war to fight and we can win as a matter of fact Jesus already won it we have a war to fight and we may battle against the powers of hell but we can endure and win. We are more than conquerors, so press on. Heaven's not so far away. Press on to the everlasting land of endless day. Press on through the power of God's amazing grace. The time is drawing nigh to bid this world goodbye, and very soon we'll see our Savior face to face. Press on. Next week are some two final instructions. So we're not finished yet. But I invite everyone in this room to ask yourself, am I a real Christian? Am I a true, blue, born again, child of God, by the grace of God? I just surrendered. I stopped trying to be good. I stopped trying to do good. I want to do right, and I fail at it. Good, good, good. At the end of the day, you got to say, I can't do it. I just trust Jesus Christ with all my heart. I believe on him, and I follow him with my life. Have you ever made that decision? And if you have, welcome to the family. Prepare for war. Let's stand, let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, somewhere along the line, we, we kind of get discouraged at the Christian life because it is hard. And in my nature, we get discouraged. But you put it very clearly in the words of Scripture that it's to be expected. Any runner, whoever attempts to win a race, is trained, whether personally or by a trainer, to put up with the pains of running, with the, with the aches, with the problems that come with running. Anybody who ever gets into a boxing ring or gets into any sport knows there is, a, there is hardship ahead. Yes, there is a reason and there is a, 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 a reward. There is a... There's value to what we're doing, but the distance between starting and finishing sometimes is long and hard. And we forget you're the reason why we do it all. So, Lord, we, at least some of us, we make a promise, God. We're, you know, the, though the devil may really, really try to convince us to want to quit, we determine not to. 
when it's easier and easier just to stay home, when it is easier and easier just to shut up and stay quiet when the world is more and louder and more vile than ever, we choose the hard thing. And if the world doesn't change and if liberty doesn't return, if, if persecution comes full force, we will endure hardness for your son, Jesus Christ, who endured hardness for us. So we ask you to help us, God. We cannot do it by ourselves. It's not in us. But you are. So we yield to you now and ask you, God, may we never forget the words, endure hardness as a good soldier. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.